All right, you guys turn to Luke chapter 8. And today we're starting a new series of messages leading up to Easter. And uh, we always like to talk about Jesus in these series. And so it's going to be pretty much about Jesus. But we're answering the question, why Jesus? Why would we follow Jesus? Why would we put our trust in Jesus? Why would I make Jesus my Lord and Savior? So, you know, why? And there's a thousand reasons. I could just fill up a year. But in this sermon series, we're going to focus on, on the, the fact that Jesus, he has so much love and power uh, to deliver us from things. He's a, he delivers us. And so we're going to look at his love and his grace and his power to deliver us. And he can do, deliver us from things that we cannot deliver ourselves from. He can deliver us from things that are not humanly possibly delivered from. Because God, Jesus, can do the impossible. Amen? Okay. And so that's what we're going to look at. Now, today in Luke 8, we're going to see how Jesus can calm storms. Okay? Or perhaps it's uh, calm us in the storms. Or it might be calm the storms in us. I, you know, however you want to look at it. You know, Jesus can calm our storms. And storms can be pretty scary. Back in 1991, and some of you might remember this, Hurricane Grace out of Bermuda met an Arctic low-pressure system from Canada and a cold front out of Newfoundland. And they collided, and that became what many referred to as the perfect storm. Do you remember the movie, The Perfect Storm? With, I think, was it George Clooney? Was he in that? I think something like that. And, but it was a real storm. And these three pressure, you know, weather systems collided and they created this apocalyptic situation in the, in the Atlantic. And ships were facing waves up to 100 feet. Think about that. That's the equivalent of a 10-story building. Uh, there was this bulk carrier called the Zarah out there and 90-foot waves came crashing down up it. It sheared off steel, steel bolts that were holding its portholes 30 tons of water, crashed into it, flooding the crew's mess, the officer's mess, broke through two more walls, and ultimately killed the, tr uh, the engine. And this was a 550-foot vessel out in the Atlantic. Now, that's a scary storm. And uh, I hope none of you are experiencing a perfect storm, but you might be. Actually, how many of you have ever had a perfect storm? Yeah, I, I think I've had that too. Now, now, it doesn't have to be a perfect storm to be scary. Some of you might be in what they call a, a, a tropical disturbance, okay? It's, it's a low category thing. The, a, a low pressure system comes in and the pressure on the outside is greater than the pressure on the inside. Winds are starting to pick up. Rain, you know, some of you might be right there. Or it might be increasing to a tropical disturbance, Low pressure system has become greater. Pre the pressure is greater on the outside and the winds are starting to rush on, on the inside. And uh, again, you're getting more wind, lightning and thunder start and start to shake things up. Some of you might be experiencing a tropical storm. The winds are now going past 100 or uh, 38 miles per hour. They're becoming dangerous. They're becoming destructive. You have to batten down the hatches and hold on. At this stage, the storm actually gets a name. You can name it. And then some of you might be going through an actual hurricane. And here the storms are going past 74 miles an hour. And there's the rotation, you know, sideways rain, Winds, category five hurricane has winds that go past 155 miles per hour. And in these situations, you just run and dive for cover. Are any of you in a 
you know, hurricane. You don't have to answer that. If you're going through a storm, I have good news for you. Like, you got to be kidding me. Jesus can calm our storms. And so let's take a look at the story. It's in Luke chapter 8, starting at verse 22. And this is what the, how the story reads. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. And they sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. So why follow Jesus? Well, Jesus can either calm the storms around us or calm the storms in us. Okay. And that's all good. But I want you to know I'm not always that trusting. I'm not always that confident when I face storms. I wish I did, but I'm more like these guys. You ever feel like that? Now, I want, you to, I want you to notice something about this picture. At first, I want you to see the look of utter terror in the first guy's face. This guy's going, I'm going to die. How many of you have been there? It's like, you know, and it's like, it, we, and that's my gut reaction. It's my default, you know, when storms hit. But I want you to pay special attention to the second guy. You know, look what he's doing. He is taking a big breath. Because he's going under and he's not getting any air for a while. How many of you are holding your breath? Wondering when you're going to come up and if you're going to get any air. And see, that's what happens when we're really challenged by that. And I, I've been there. Now, I don't want to insult you today by just saying, all right, all you got to do is trust Jesus and put your faith in God and everything's going to be hunky-dory. Even though that's absolutely true. God is faithful. He will calm the storms. The problem is he's faithful, but I'm not, I'm not always that trusting. So I struggle with this confidence thing in God when I'm in the midst of the storm. Can any of you, can any of you relate to that? So what I've found, it helps me to ask some questions. Four questions when you're in a storm that'll help you be calm and let Jesus calm your storm. And the first question is this, what direction am I going? Now, this is really important because some storms are my fault. They're my fault because, and God sends them into my life because he's trying to turn me around. Y'all remember Jonah? Yeah. Remember Jonah? Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard, sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. Such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. Now, if that's you and you're in a storm, there is no way to get out of this one except do one thing. And that's just turn around. All right. Turn your life around and get Make God a part of your life again. Get back in the word, get back into prayer, get back into fellowship. You start seeking God above everything else because otherwise that storm is going to continue until it does its job, okay? So you just have to keep that in mind when we face storms. But that is not what's going on in our story. And this is important, okay? Because in our story, the disciples were actually going the right direction. 
In verse 22, it says, One day his disciples said to Jesus, Let's go over to the other side, the lake. So they got into a boat and they set out. The very reason the disciples were in this storm to begin with, they were following Jesus' orders. They were doing God's will. You would think if you're doing God's will, you wouldn't have any storms, right? Wrong. It doesn't work that way. And so what we need to learn is that some storms are not from God, but from the devil to stop us. But God has a purpose. God's purpose is to make us stronger and to reveal his glory over the devil. So he lets the storms come, but the storm is technically not from God. It's, it's from the wrong side and they want to stop us. And uh, we're going to learn more about this next week, by the way. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about the devil. I don't know what you believe about the devil. We're going to talk about him. But this storm was from the devil. We wanted to stop these guys. And uh, it's, it's important that we keep on going because God wants to show his power over the elements. Now, in Jesus, the people in Jesus' day, especially the non-Jewish people, they believed that, that there were gods of the underworld that inhabited the waters and the winds and the sky and that they controlled these ferocious storms that would constantly hit the Sea of Galilee. It was a thing. And so they, they had names for these gods, and they thought the gods were in control of this. So when Jesus stilled the storm, he was clearly demonstrating his power, his authority, his supremacy over the purported gods of the underworld of that day. He was saying, uh-uh, these guys aren't anything. I'm the one in charge. Okay? And sometimes that's what God wants us to realize. He wants to say, this storm is from the devil. I want you to rely on me. I want to reveal my glory through you in this storm. Paul, for instance, was doing exactly what God wanted to do when he said, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Paul was going the right direction. He faced many storms. In fact, in the book of Acts, chapter 27, he went through an actual shipwreck. And you think, gee... You know, that shouldn't have happened. Well, no, because God demonstrated his power through Paul because he overcame them. And that's why Paul was able to tell us, give us this promise. We know that in all things, God works for the good to those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. See, God doesn't promise us a flyby in this life. I I wish it was so, but it's not. And the storms are going to come. But when you're pursuing God's purpose, God will take care of his business. And you are his business. That's the first thing. But you got to be sure you're going the right direction. Are you going his direction? So that's the first question. Second question I have to ask myself is what's sinking my ship? Okay. Verse 23, a squall came down the lake and the boat was being swamped and there were great danger. So the boat, water's getting in. It was sinking. Problems develop when stuff on the outside gets on the inside. And the same is true with our lives. Our lives can be swamped by the stuff on the outside, right? And so, and the problem is not so much the storm, but all the stuff we've loaded up our little boats with. So God sometimes allows storms to give us a little motivation to uh, offload all the stuff that really shouldn't be on our boats to begin with. We need to lighten the load, get some stuff out. And so, you know, I don't know how that looks for you, but you know, there's things I've become attached to and dependent upon for my meaning, my security, my sense of importance, my sense of belonging, my identity. There's things other than God I attach myself to, and they keep accumulating. And pretty soon, God, I don't need God. I got all these things. So, you know, storms come. 
And then I have to reevaluate. If I'm going to get through the storm, I got to lose some stuff. I got to throw some stuff overboard. Okay. And it's not just the stuff. It's not just the idols. It's not just the worldly attachments. It's my emotional attachments to these things. For instance, I need to bail out worry, fear, and doubt. See, I experience negative emotions when I'm at, my attachments are at risk. So it's not just the thing. It's like, I'm attached to this. I got to give up my worry. That's why Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And I'm thankful for the storms God has sent into my life because it's forced me to downsize time and time again. And when I have, I feel lighter and more secure and I don't worry as much. I can actually sleep at night because I'm not worried about my stuff. Sometimes I need to bail out anger and resentment, self-pity. Ephesians 4.31, Paul says, Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. I don't know about you, but when I'm forced to let go of things, I get a little touchy. I get angry, frustrated, you know, and I take it out on people, and I complain, and I grumble, and, you know, it's anger. I get mad at God. Why are you doing this to me? And we can lash out and be grumpy. We can just fall into a plain, you know, depression. Or my favorite, I, I wallow in self-pity. I love self-pity. Like, oh man, I'm just, you know. And all this stuff, it's that emotional attachment to things I shouldn't be attached to. It needs to be bailed out. Okay. And uh, how about this? I need to bail out my envy and jealousy. James 3.16, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. And I can be obsessed with protecting what's mine from you. I don't want you to have my stuff. You know? So jealousy is kind of like we guard stuff. We become protective and I won't share it with you. It's mine. Or envy. I kind of like what you have. I want what you got. And we become focused. And again, these emotional things weigh me down. And I got to stop worrying about what I have because it's God's. And I got to stop worrying about what you have because it's God's. I just need to focus, be thankful for what I have and what God's called me to use. But I got to bail out the bad stuff. I especially need to bail out guilt and shame. And when storms hit, I get into this that self-pity, but I blame myself. I, I think this is because this is God's doing this to me because I'm such a bad person. And I, I blame myself. And the blame might be justified. Maybe it's because I did something wrong. And I can drown thinking about the things I'm not, the things I should be, the things I shouldn't have done but did, and the things I should have done but didn't. I can drown in that stuff. And uh, the ways I've failed, the ways I've made mistakes. But the thing is, Romans 8.1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in the name of Jesus Christ. So, guilt and shame will sink my ship quicker than anything. I need to bail it out. Okay, so to survive the storms, I need to enlist God's help to bail these things out. God, I'm experiencing this stuff. Help me become detached. Help me to let go. Help me to have you, know, you and you alone. Okay, so what's sinking my ship? That leads to a third question. Who do I call? When your ship is sinking, who do you call? When I'm going down, who do you call? The disciples are sinking. So in verse 24, the disciples went and woke up Jesus saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And he got up, rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. So when you're in a tight spot, who do you call? Your therapist? Okay. Your mom and dad? I don't know. Your best friend? Uh, don't call the preacher because he's, he's, he, they know nothing. Just want you to know. 
And uh, who do you call the Ghostbusters? I, you know, it's, it's, it's all sorts of stuff. And it's not that they can't help. It's just that they can't steal your storm. And the disciples, they were smart. They went to Jesus and they called Jesus. But notice what they called him. Master, master. You know, who do you call master? Do you have a master? Who is the boss of your life? Jesus. And storms kind of, when they come up, they kind of reveal to me sometimes that maybe Jesus isn't the boss of my life that he should be. Yeah, because oftentimes I'm trying to control myself and run things by myself. Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then uh, Paul says, if God is for us, who can be against us? So who you call on? Why Jesus? Because, man, think about it. No one, no thing is higher, more powerful than Jesus. Get this. Jesus cannot be killed. He can't be stopped. He can't be banned, barred, or blocked. He can't be deterred, disallowed, daunted, dissuaded, excluded, or expelled. He can't be forced or foiled. He can't be hindered or halted. He can't be obstructed. He can't be thwarted. He can't be vetoed. He can't be put off or put down. He cannot be prohibited, prevented, precluded. He cannot be ruled out or overruled because he is master. He is Lord. Amen? All right, so who do you call? I don't know about you. He's my master. I just, you, you can make your own choices on that. But there's a final question we need to ask ourselves in the midst of a storm. Who floats my boat? Who keeps you above the water? And ultimately, I need to figure this out. Verse 25, after this is over, Jesus looks at his disciples and say, where's your faith? You know, what, what were you trusting in? The boat? What, what were you putting your faith in? What were you ultimately trusting in? And in fear of amazement, they ask one another, who is this guy? Who is this? And uh, I, I've heard that question. Doug, where is your faith? I had to ask myself that question. Because that's ultimately where the crucial change comes from terror and peace and calm is when I can cross over there and go, okay, I can trust you in this guy. I've done it before. Do it again. You've never let me down. And catch the tone of Jesus' question. When he asked them, it's kind of a chiding. He's challenging them a little bit. He's, he, God gets a little irritated because we, uh, you know, we don't put our faith in him after he's come through for us time and time and again. And, uh, and so you know, it's like he's saying, why do you continue to doubt me when I've proven myself so many times? It's like Peter says in chapter 5, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him. Because he cares for you. That's one of my go-to verses when I'm in a storm. And he does. Who floats my boat? I really, it really is the question the disciples ask. Who is Jesus? Who is this? Who is this guy that can even still storms? The real question is who is Jesus to you? Because I can stand up here all day and say, Jesus, that's all good. But I have to ask myself, who is Jesus to me? Who do I believe him to be? And I can't answer that for you. In your storm, you have to ask yourself, is Jesus really my master? Is he the one that floats my boat? Is he the one that's going to keep me going? That's the real question. And uh, that leads to one final angle in the story that you need to catch. I love this. Because... In verse 26, it says they sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. 
Again, we're going to talk about this next week. They were doing God's will. They were following Jesus across the Sea of Galilee into enemy territory where they are going to meet a guy who's seriously possessed by the devil. The disciples themselves were on a rescue mission to heal this guy who was under the power of the devil, and the devil didn't want them to get there. Does that make sense? So this story fits with the next story, and we're going to learn about that next week. And uh, they were willing to sail across the lake. Are we willing to sail across the lake? See, God will, there's Christians who claim to be followers of Jesus, but they won't sail across the lake. And I got to tell you, as a church body, if God tells us to sail across the lake, we're going to sail across the lake. If you don't want to sail across the lake, go find a church that's on the beach. Get yourself a little beach chair. Get one of those drinks with a little umbrella in it. And just, you know, enjoy church. But that's not going to be this church. We never have. We've been through a few storms, and it's going to happen again. And that's okay if you want to go somewhere else. But that's just kind of, the only umbrellas we have here are out in the foyer. And we do have them. I just hope some of you want to stay on board. Because even though it's a scary trip, Jesus got us. And I wouldn't be on any other voyage. I don't know about you. Amen? Let's all be standing for a closing word of prayer. Oh, Father, thank you so much for being Lord of all and Savior. And we bring so little to the table when it comes to you, but you always make up the difference. And I thank you for that. Do your work in our lives. Do your work in our hearts as individuals calm our storms, and as a body, as a fellowship for you, help us to experience you and reflect you so the people out in the world can see us. As we sail across the lake, help us to uh, reflect you to the world and lead others to this relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.